Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes, and we appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Philippians, the book of Philippians chapter 4, Philippians. Uh, This morning I want to share with you from a passage of Scripture that has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember and as long as I can recall. Uh, This all started, this study of of what we're going to look at today began uh, years ago when I was just a small child. Uh, My mother uh, printed out a Bible verse and put it on our refrigerator uh, because we... Uh, the refrigerator in our house uh, in the kitchen sat right next to the back door and that is exactly where we would always go to go in and out of the house and to go in and out of uh, of our uh, 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 life uh, each and every day time and again we would go through that door and each time that we went through that door we all, I always saw that Bible verse it was right at eye level now as I got to be older as a teenager, it was a die level, but it was uh, uh, much higher when I was little. But I can always remember it, no matter what, uh, even when we changed refrigerators later, late in my life, uh, Mom took that uh, Bible verse off of there and put it on the new refrigerator so it was there for us to see. And it's uh, Philippians 4.13. Everybody uh, is familiar with that verse and, and knows that verse. I can do all things. In Christ who strengthens me. I, I, I learned that as a young man. I, I, it was an inspiration in my life. And many times it helped me through difficult times. But so often we misunderstand what that verse really means. As a young person, I always thought, well, that means that God's going to give me the strength and the power to do anything that I need to do. Anything that that I have to do, I'm going to be able to have the strength in God to be able to do whatever I need to do. But unfortunately, that's not what that verse means. Because so often, like so many other passages of scriptures, that, that Bible verse is lifted up out of context and made to say something that really it's not saying what we always think it says. In fact, it, it really says something quite different. And today I want to talk to you about that. In fact, we have to go back a little bit uh, into Philippians chapter 4. We have to backtrack a little bit to about uh, this whole section of Scripture that this verse falls in uh, starts in verse 10. And Paul is church, uh, talking to the church at, uh, at uh, Philippi. And he says in verse 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned to whatso- in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And I, I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full 
and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. It says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent uh, once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound in your account. But I have all... And abound. I am full, having received out of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul speaks about contentment here. He speaks about it in a couple of different places. In, Ephesians, uh, in 1 Timothy 6, 6, he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. He says, uh, with godliness and contentment, you can have a, a great gain in your life. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he says, Again, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For ye have said, I will never leave thee. He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We are to be content with what God has provided us. We're to be content with what we have. In fact, so much so that we're commanded to be content. Not just simply suggested, not just simply encouraged, not just simply saying, hey, this is a goal for you to try and and, uh, strive for or to try and achieve. We are commanded to be content with what we have. Most people don't experience contentment in their life. Most people in their life do not experience this type of commitment because we live in a world and a society and and a place in which no one is content, no one is satisfied, no one says in their life, you know, I think I've had enough. We're always wanting to, to go to the buffet where we can eat all that we want we're always wanting to uh, get the last piece of pizza or the last uh, a donut in the box. We're always looking for the last piece of candy because we want a little bit more. And society and the world has taught us to have a desire to want more, want things, want uh, everything that we can get our hands on. The more uh, people s- seem to get in their life, the less content they tend to be in their life. And Paul is, uh, was writing these words to the church at Philippi because they had sent a gift to him. They had sent something uh, that he needed in his life. Now, why did he have this need? Because he was sitting in a place in which most of us would uh, feel as though he was filled with discontent. But instead, Paul is saying, look, I, I've... I know what it's like to have everything. I know what it's like to have nothing. 
but I'm content. Where was Paul when he was writing this, this, these uh, words to the church at Philippi? Was he sitting comfortably in a home where his needs were being met? No. Was Paul sitting in a situation uh, where he was getting more than he could handle? No. Paul was writing these words from the midst of house arrest in Rome. He'd been arrested and he was chained to a Roman soldier and he was probably given just a meager supply of whatever they desired to throw his way. It was, uh, in fact, many prisoners that were in a situation Paul was in would have family members that would come and take care of that person while they were in house arrest. But here's Paul. He has no one to care for him. He has no one to meet his needs. Only those who are willing to send assistance and aid to Paul did Paul really get uh, enough. So he was probably living off of not much more than bread and water. And Paul is writing these words and saying, you know, I'm, I'm content with what I have. He's, he's uh, sitting in a situation that none of us would want to be in. And Paul's saying, you know, I really feel good about where I am, the situation that I am. Paul was writing to express his gratitude for the gift that the church had sent him. In Philippians 4, the first nine verses in this chapter, Paul is writing and telling them that he is of spiritually stable and that his life is not a series of ups and downs. You know, so many people go from the highest of a static of being on top of the world, being just so thrilled with their relationship with God to the depths of despair, thinking that God has left them all alone. Paul is, is, was expressing to them that, that he is uh, in a stable relationship with God, that his life is an even kill. In fact, he tells them that they need to emulate his life, that the stability that he demonstrates in his life of, of constantly uh, being in a, a good place with God, not going up and down, up and down like on a roller coaster, that they need to have that same spiritual stability in, his, in their life as well. And then he talks about contentment. And he tells them that he has learned no matter what situation he's in, no matter where he is in his life, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. I rejoice because you've sent me something. And he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul says, I've learned that no matter what is happening in my life, I have learned to be content with what God has provided me, with what God is giving me, with what God is doing for me. What, it, what does that word content really mean? Since we're putting so much emphasis on the word content, content is a word that expresses a uh, ability to uh, care for one's own needs. It, it's a word that is self uh, means self sufficient, to be satisfied, to have enough, to have an independence of need, not needing something from someone else, but really just simply being so satisfied that no one else needs to care for them. 
And so Paul, in the midst of this trial, of this difficulty, this struggle that many people would, would uh, say is... I mean, he's waiting for trial from Nero to find out whether or not he'll be uh, burned at the stake or whether or not he'll be crucified or whether or not he'll be, uh, uh, have his head chopped off. And he says, I'm content. I'm where God wants me to be and I'm happy with what is going on in my life. That's because Paul had certain elements uh, in his life that brought him contentment. Now the Stoics were people that were famous for this attitude of commitment. The Stoics uh, were people that aesthetically uh, got rid of everything in their life and claimed to have uh, uh, an inner peace by creating a, a dearth of everything in their life. The Stoics were people who uh, basically it was uh, demonstrated by uh, a, a, a historian by the name of uh, Epictetus who said uh, that Stoics said basically this. They said, uh, consider having a cup. And if that cup breaks, you say, well... You know, I don't care about the fact that my cup broke. And then they said, now, then take it to the next level and, and consider the fact of having a pet or a horse, uh, an animal that you depended upon uh, for uh, doing farming or a pet dog or something like that. And let's say that that pet or that horse that you depended upon died. And, be, and a stoic... Uh, would say, I don't care about that. I don't care. Then uh, uh, consider being hurt or injured in your life personally and coming to the place where you can say, I don't care. And then ultimately the Stoic would say uh, when someone that they deeply cared for or cherished died, that they would be able to say, I don't care. Now, that's a different, there's a difference between the uh, Stoics and what Paul is saying. Uh, this point of being able to uh, divulge of yourself all care and concern was what the Stoics uh, said. But that's different because basically it is demonstrating a lack of concern or a lack of, of care, of being indifferent. But Paul is talking about contentment, not indifference. Indifference says, I don't care what happens. Uh, I, uh, I don't care about anything in my life. I don't care uh, whether or not somebody that I'm very close to dies, or I don't care about uh, if, if something happens to me. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. But Paul is talking about contentment, which is different from uh, an indifference about life, but a real care and concern about life, but uh, being content with that life. The Stoics made a heart a desert and called it peace in their life. Paul calls contentment peace. In verse 12, Paul says, uh, I know both how to be abased and how to abound and everywhere and all things I am uh, 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 instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul says, in essence, I've learned the secret. 
In fact, the wording here is akin to the fact of Paul saying, I've learned the secret code. I've learned uh, like what it means for some people who, uh, when they go into a, a cultic re- uh, religion, uh, thinking that they have learned some secret uh, about life, Paul says, I've learned the secret of my Christian life, which is to be content. He says, uh, I have learned and I know how to be content. Uh, the God of peace, in verse 9, he says, these, uh, in verse 9 he says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the peace of God shall be with you. He says, I've learned enough of the peace of God to understand that that brings contentment in my life. In fact, in verse 6 he says, Be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, look, with this dependence upon God, with this uh, dependence upon uh, God for everything in your life, God will fill your life with peace and with peace comes contentment. The peace of your life uh, is, uh, brings about contentment to where you have no want. Because why? Because you know that you can make your requests known to God. You know that you can make all of your needs known to God. You know that, that whatever you have in your life that you need, God will care for you. We live in a very discontent society. Can you say in your own life that no matter what state you're in, no matter what place you're in, no matter what is going on in your life, that you are content in your life? Well, I want to share with you uh, the strands of fiber of contentment that will help you to have contentment in your life and come to, uh, help you to come to a place of peace. First of all, we need to understand that in order to be content in our life, that we need to understand that we need to have confidence in God. Look at verse 10. He says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye also have care, but ye lacked opportunity. It had been ten years since Paul was in Philippi. It had been ten years since Paul was put in jail and, and he and, uh, had experienced that earthquake that Paul and Silas, while they were in the jail, while they were singing, uh, had created the opportunity for them to witness to the Philippian jailer because the jailer thought all of the prisoners would escape when the, uh, the earthquake caused the jail doors to open. But Paul and Silas were in the jail. They had been singing and they cried out to the Philippian jailer, Hey, don't harm yourself. It had been 10 years since that happened. It had been 10 years since uh, they had a, a little mini revival in that jailer's home and the whole family had come to know Christ. It had been 10 years since Paul had left Philippi and gone on to Thessalonica. It had been 10 years since Paul had gone on to Macedonia and Achaia. And ten years since Paul had uh, left that region and Paul had received gifts from uh, this church in Philippi. 
He hadn't been receiving any kind of support or encouragement from the church in Thessalonica. In fact, he tells them in 1 Thessalonians that the church there in Thessalonica didn't support them, that he had to go out and work for himself. But he was satisfied with doing that. He said, no one should have to support me. I'll work for myself and what I have, God will provide for me and that I'm able to do and work for... You know, Paul was a tent maker. And so Paul was caring for himself, but it had been 10 years since uh, the church at Philippi had been able to show him support twice. No one else had shown him support. 10 years since their last, last gift of support. But Paul says it was okay. Why? Because at the end of verse 10, it wasn't because they didn't have the means. It wasn't because they didn't care about Paul. He says you lack the opportunity. Now, we don't understand why. Maybe it was because there was uh, uh, some kind of conflict that kept them from being able to send their support. Maybe it was a famine in the area or something. Whatever it was, he says, I understand because you didn't have the opportunity at the end. You lacked opportunity. He says it wasn't because you didn't plan ahead. It wasn't because you didn't care. You lacked opportunity. So he is now rejoicing at the fact that they now have that opportunity. He rejoiced when Epaphroditus showed up with that gift. He had great joy that was extensive. In fact, the wording there is the kind of wording that, that describes a, a blooming plant that your, uh, your, your love for me has blossomed, is what he's saying. And he, show, he says, it is wonderful that God has uh, allowed that opportunity for you to express your concern and love for me. It was revived in your life. You see, Paul had patient confidence in the provision of God. He says that he could do without while waiting on God's provision. He says, I, I, could, I knew I could uh, go through times of of abasement and, and abounding. I, I was t- there were times where I was abounding and where I was hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He says, I could do all of that through God's... Provi-. That's, that's where the verse, verse 13 comes in. I can do all things in Christ. What is he talking about? He says, I can be content no matter what is happening in my life because God provides for me. God cares for me. And what Paul is saying here is is that the reason that he could live in times of want, the reason he could live in times of great abundance was because he knew that God was always providing for him when he needed that and what, uh, with what he needed in his life. You see, we have the different philosophy today. We have that a different uh, uh thought process we tend to say you know I I want something and we equate it with need Paul knew that his needs would be met by God in God's perfect season while uh, we until we learn that you will never be content until you come to the place that you understand that God is sovereign and is ordering everything in your life for His purpose, and is working for everything to your good and to His glory, 
you will always be content. You will always be discontent when you are not aware of the fact that God is able to provide all that you need. And He's working to bring about in His time and His perfect will. You say, well, why can't God bless me all the time? Well, it could be that God has a purpose in not providing for you. Maybe that God is trying to help you to, to grow in your dependence upon Him or grow in the understanding that all you need is not all the things in this world, all the things that the world says are so important, but your ability to hold on to His hand in those times of need, your ability to rely upon Him and, uh, and that He is in control of all things in your life. You have to come to a place of patiently being confident in God's provision in your life. If we believe that God is sovereign and orders all the circumstances and all the things that are happening in your life, that His will is being done in your life, then you can be content in every situation, in any situation, because you know and understand that He is in control. You see, so often we don't believe that God is in control. We think we're in control. We have the, understand, uh, have the, uh, the understanding of, of, hey, you've got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. That kind of understanding is baked into our uh, uh, lifestyle. We have uh, baked in our uh, psyche and our understanding that, hey, if, you're not, if you don't have everything you could possibly want and all the means in the world that, that you're a failure, that, that doesn't say anything about God's provision or God's care for your life. We have uh, baked into our mindset that, that we're the ones that are in control, that we're the ones that have the direct result of whether or not we're happy or whether or not we uh, are content in our life because it's based on how well we do things, how, uh, how hard we work, or how successful we are. You remember all the TV shows and all the commercials about... Uh, all the people that are rich and famous and have everything. We idolize these people because we say, oh, those people are, are so fortunate because they're so talented or they're so, uh, they're, they work so hard that they do all this work and not everything. They have everything they ever wanted. But you look past the veneer and you'll find out that they're not satisfied. They're not happy. You ask a, a millionaire, how much is enough? A little bit more. You ask a millionaire, are you satisfied with just uh, with a million dollars? No, I'm just a millionaire. I, I've got to be a multi-millionaire. You ask the multi-millionaire, oh, hey, are you satisfied? No, I'm not a billionaire yet. You ask the billionaire, hey, are you satisfied with what you have now? Well, no. There's other people that have multiple billion dollars. They're never satisfied. They're never complete because they're depending upon themselves for something that they can find to bring completeness. Discontentment comes when we want... Listen to this. Discontentment comes when we want to control everything in our life. We basically say, you know, I can't wait for 
God to meet my need. I've got to go out here and do it for myself. I'm in control of my situation. I'm in control of what's going on. I'm going to go out here and, and take care of this. Because we can't wait for God to care for us. Oh, it's a sign of weakness to allow God to do for us when we should be out there doing for ourselves. Providence is God bringing about event. Uh, here's how God works. God works in two ways in this world. God works in miracles. And miracles is going beyond the natural, bending the natural to bring about an event like someone uh, uh, dies. Jesus heals them and brings them back to life. God's uh, manipulating the natural order of things to bring about His will. If someone is born with a, a, a malady that causes their hand to be shriveled, and God uh, uh, comes to the uh, Jesus comes to them and tells them to stretch out their hand, and and He miraculously heals them. He's changing the order of the natural to bring about His will. It's not natural for that hand to be healed by just reaching out your hand. But He bends the natural in order to bring about His will and purpose in that person's life. That's a miracle. It's a miracle when the, uh, the God stopped the Red Sea and caused it to build up like a wall and allowed the children of Israel to walk across on dry land. That doesn't normally happen, folks. That's not something that's typically a, uh, 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 an occurrence in nature because... It just doesn't happen. But God ordered it for His desire, His purpose, His will. And He bent the natural flow of the water to bring about His will so that the Israelites could walk across on dry land. And listen, it wasn't just by chance because it, it wasn't that majority of the Israelites got through and oh well, some of them didn't because they didn't hurry across, across in time and something happened and allowed the water to, to go back. No. All of them crossed on dry land and they were over there rejoicing and celebrating and having a good time and singing songs about God's deliverance. And then, then the Egyptians, remember, they, they started pursuing. Yeah, I find it so hilarious that scientists today try and say, well, it was just the reed sea. It was at low tide. The Israelites were able to cross without even worrying about it. Sometimes you're able to even cross without uh, getting wet by uh, just stepping over the sea. Well, how in the world did that army get bogged down and drowned and kill that, the, the most powerful army in the world at the time when they started following? There was a miracle in there somewhere, right? Whether it was that they walked across dry land or that they, uh, the other army got drowned in a trickle of water. I think it was the other way around. But God stopped the normal course of things to bring about His will and purpose. Then the second way in which God works is through providence. God using the natural order of things. God using the natural flow of things to bring about His will and desire. God brought providence into our lives and God moves in His way to bring about His purpose and plan. Contentment starts with the belief that sovereign God is in control of your life. Then the second strand 
of the fabric of contentment is, is the satisfaction with little. Paul says, look, I understood what it meant to have a lot and to have nothing. Uh, and to have nothing. I had understood what it meant to abound and, and then to abase. You see, satisfaction with little means that we're content with what we have, even when it's just a little. But the problem is society says, you know, you need to have a little bit more. Everything that you look at on TV is, is to convince you that you want something that you knew, never knew that you needed in the first place. You're watching TV late at night and the commercial comes on for uh, a hamburger at Hardee's. And if I, said, if I came on the screen and said, hey, why don't you go get a hamburger at Hardee's and then just left, you wouldn't want it. But that's not what they do. They show you this big old juicy hamburger that's flame broiled and got all the condiments on it that you like, all the ketchup and, and mustard and tomatoes and lettuce and, and it's just big in a big juicy hamburger with a big fluffy bun and you think man that looks good and your stomach starts to grumble a little bit because it's late at night and you, it's been a while since you ate and all of a sudden you, you're hoping that Hardee's is still open so you can go get a big old hamburger from Hardee's that's how advertising works to convince you that you need something that you really don't need. In fact, what, what advertising and society does is, is take needs and wants and changes places with them. You know, you have certain needs. You know, I need something to eat. Do you need a hamburger? No. Do you need a big juicy hamburger from Hardee's? No. You can be just as satisfied with a bowl of cereal. Or you can be just as satisfied with a bowl of rice or some beans. Your stomach's not going to care the difference. It's just going to know whether or not it's full or empty. But you sure do have to get it past the taste buds on the way down. And advertising in the world wants to take what you need and say, you know, you really want this. I'm going to make you think you need what you want rather than want what you need. And so, society makes you think you need a bigger car or a faster car. Make you think you need a bigger home. Need some sneakers in order to play like Michael Jordan need to have the right kind of clothes to fit in in the society, need to have... Uh, oh, look, even on... Even people that send things about uh, uh, on these social media things, take a picture of your, your dessert when you're getting a meal. Oh, look at me, I got, I got this. Or look at me, I got a drink, I got a coffee from Starbucks. Woohoo, it's got all kinds of whipped cream and chocolate. It's not coffee, it's dessert. It's got all kinds of chocolate and caramel and sprinkles and whipped cream on it. That, that's as far away from coffee as it can possibly be. But you're taking a picture of it so everybody can see. Look at me, I got this. Look at me. 
Look at me. Or look at me. I'm taking a picture of me at the beach. Take a picture of me in the mountains. Look at this gorgeous place I've got. Making you think, hey, I need that. I want that. I want that too, you know. I need that because he's got that or she's got that. i got to be able to take a picture too. Look at me. I'm just like everybody else. I got the coffee that everybody wants. I got the house that everybody wants. The vacation that everybody wants. Paul expressed to the Thessalonians that he didn't need anything because he was able to care for his needs by working. But in everything in society that points to needing to replace our, our needs with our wants, Paul knew that the chief end of man was not to have what I want... Your chief purpose in life is not to get what you want. It's not even to get what you need. Your chief purpose in life is to worship God. Your chief aim in life is to worship God. And the greatest expression of worship is to express to God that He's in control of everything, that He provides your needs, that He is capable of filling every part of your life. There's nothing in this world that can replace God because He provides all your needs. The last thing, and I'll just mention it here, is Paul's independence from circumstances. He says, look, it doesn't matter where I'm in. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. It doesn't matter that I'm in jail or it doesn't matter if I'm uh, on the uh, uh, all-expense-paid vacation. I'm content. Paul says it it doesn't matter if I've been shipwrecked. It doesn't matter if I've I've got uh, the benevolence of a king. It doesn't matter if I'm able to, uh, to have everything I need or want because I have a relationship with God. That's what it really boils down to. Contentment is are you satisfied with your relationship with God? Are you satisfied with what God says, I'll provide all your need. God says there's nothing in your life that you can't handle in your life. In all things... In all aspects, He gives you the power and the ability and the, and, the, and the strength to take care of all of your needs. He provides everything because of His provision in your life. He's sovereign. He makes sure that you have everything that you could possibly need. Are you satisfied with that? Are you satisfied? Independent of what's going on in life. Look, there could be a a hurricane going on right outside your door, are you satisfied with the fact that God's in control of that hurricane and that God's going to provide for you and protect you and care for you in the midst of that storm? Everything bad is falling apart in your life. Everything is not uh, as you would hope it was. <coughs> you, have, <coughs> you have dreams <coughs> of how wonderful life could be. But are you content with how the life that God has given you? Are you content 
Or are you going to work yourself to death? Bend over backwards. Cheat and lie and steal to get a little bit more. A little bit more. Because you're just not content. Paul said, look, I'm in the midst of jail. But I know God's in control. I know God is using me in this moment, in this place, to achieve His desire and will. As much of a missionary as Paul was and as much as as of a desire to get out there and, and spread the gospel, do you think Paul would have taken any time at all to sit down and write letters like these if he wasn't chained down to a soldier? Paul could have said, look, I'm in jail, I'm about to die. But instead he says, I'm content to sit here and write the words that the Holy Spirit is moving me to write so that you could be blessed today. And you could receive God's Word in your life today. An indifference to whatever situation is going on in your life. No matter what it might be. Because you're... You know God is in control. God is delivering you. God is working in you and moving in you. These are the few fabrics of contentment. And God wants to bring you to a place of contentment in your life where you will trust in Him, rely upon Him, depend upon Him, and know that He will give you all that you need. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we just thank You and praise You for Your great love. We thank You, Father, that we can be content in whatever place we are because we know that You are there for us, that You provide all that we need. That in every aspect of our life, we can depend upon You. We trust in You to see us through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.